If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Welcome back, friend, to another episode of In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen. On today's show, we are joined by Brad Ryan. He's a veterinarian, mental health advocate, and avid hiker who embarked on a unique adventure with his grandmother, Joy. I'm already drawn in by the name. You know, Joy is one of my my core values, and it's something that stays in the the center of my life. So I want to hear more about Joy. (laughs) Together, they have explored numerous national parks. I want to say almost all in the United States. We'll we'll fact check that in a minute. And they have been creating these unforgettable memories, inspiring others to pursue their own adventures and also connect more intergenerationally, which I think is beautiful because in our family, grandparents mean a lot. And so to hear and learn more from Brad's experience is an adventure that you are getting ready to embark on, dear listener. So get those pens ready grab your coffee, your smoothie, whatever you're enjoying while you're listening to us. And let's jump into the details. Brad, welcome. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> well, I was really inspired by your grandmother, not by you. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but to see that you all decided to go on not like one adventure, or maybe we'll check out this one, but right. you all hit the ground on like an epic road trip. And I'm just really, I'm, I'm curious, what inspired you to embark on this adventure with your grandmother to explore these, these national parks together? Well, prior to starting vet school, my grandmother told me that she regretted never seeing a mountain in her life. And it was just a casual conversation while we were taking a hike in our local state park. And I thought about what that would be like if your view of the world was limited to your front porch in a one traffic light town. And that was such a limited idea of life in my mind. And I found it just sad and depressing and and I took it very, very personally that she would have that experience after experiencing or have that limited life experience after undergoing and surviving so many tragedies in her life, losing two out of three sons in middle age, um, having to work a minimum wage job until she was 80 in our local grocery store. And I committed at that moment that one day I will take her to see those mountains. But then, you know, vet school was the current that swept me away. Mm-hmm. And I was isolated from her and everybody else. I I knew locked away in the library for 18 hours a day. So anyway, I went through a very dark period. I went into vet school, having hiked the Appalachian Trail, having lived and worked in Africa, feeling like I could take on the world. And I just fell short of my own expectations in many ways. And it, for me, my self-worth was always tied to my academic success. And so that struggle took on an entirely different life. And I found myself in my mid early thirties, rather feeling suicidal for the first time in my life. Mm. And then in my fourth year of veterinary school, a second year vet student at Ohio state did commit suicide. Mm. And so that was the impetus for me picking up the phone and calling my grandmother and asking her to join me for a weekend road trip to the great smoky mountains. And then what happened is she held an umbrella over my head in the pouring rain at one in the morning while I got the tent assembled. She slept in a tent for the first time. She fell off an air mattress and started laughing. (laughs) And the next day when the rain cleared, we climbed a mountain together Mm -hmm. and it reminded me of the magic of aliveness Mm -hmm. and the possibilities for 
joy in my life that had been missing for so long because I had tunnel vision. I was so consumed by my ambitions professionally and academically that I forgot who I was outside of that, which is the most important aspect of our humanity and our identity. So I look back on those photos as I entered my professional life and I knew that I had to keep that joy light alive. And the only way to do that was to get grandma back in the car no, oh my and, ta- and, and take off driving. And so we've been driving for seven and a half years. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I don't want to skip past this because I think it's really important that we spend a little more time here before we get into the joy. I'm yes, yeah. I'll be overusing that during this conversation. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but when you talked about, you know, being in a, a dark place and Sometimes I think that our ambition can give us energy because it's a passion, right? We're tied, we're doing work that we feel very, very passionate about. So it can be invigorating, but there then can be a turn. Sometimes a turn that we don't even notice is happening in the journey where we feel like maybe we aren't accomplishing things as fast. I've certainly felt that. We are not doing exactly what we thought we would do. Well, that's life. But again, I have felt that as well. And so when you were in that dark place, I've actually heard of a lot of medical professionals, dentists, doctors, and in this case, you're talking about veterinarians who, because of the strenuous coursework and overload, and of course the clinical hours while you are in school and going through those courses, I mean, it, it can be a lot. So I imagine that maybe the passion that initially brings one into the field can take that turn because it can be very, very overwhelming. Can you talk a little bit about how you navigated that dark time? I mean, thank goodness you had your grandmother and you had that moment where you were like, let me reach out, but not everybody feels that, or I should say, not everyone takes action on that. How did you navigate that time? Yeah. I mean, the data actually show that about 50% of veterinarians who are struggling with their mental health do not seek help. They internalize it. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that we are worried about perception. We are worried that if we admit that we have vulnerabilities, if we admit that we have struggles with depression, anxiety, burnout, et cetera, then we are going to be judged for that. How can you possibly be capable of saving lives if you don't even have your own act together, right? That's kind of the way it feels. And I think that's what keeps us silent. And for me, I, I kept that to myself as well. That I was so worried about judgment that I didn't raise my hand and ask questions during vet school, even though I had a million questions. I stayed in my bedroom, locked away, watching video recordings of lectures instead of actually immersing myself in that environment. And it was David Hilton's death. It, and, I'm, and I have his mother's blessing to use his name, by the way. Um, he needs to be remembered. But it was David Hilton's death that made me fearful enough for my uh, future that I just had that instinct that what I needed was a return to nature. I had previously hiked the Appalachian Trail, as I mentioned. So I knew that nature was the place where I felt most powerful and most human. And I knew that I needed to be with somebody who knew me well and who loved me. And I also instinctively knew that I needed to be in service to somebody else and bring somebody else along for the ride who needed that ride. Mm, that's beautiful. I appreciate it. I, yeah. I, th- I think it, it was an amalgam of all those things and it was just pure instinct. I was, I was afraid 
and I was very sad. And I knew that this was real. Mm-hmm. This was real. These are these, these suicidal thoughts that people have can flip over to an action in, in an instant. Yeah. And, I, and that's my message to everybody is that don't think you're just feeling sorry for yourself. Don't think that it's not valid or that it's just going to pass. When we start to feel that burnout and depressed and anxious, we really, really have to find somebody who we trust, someone who's been in our corner. And if you have a grandmother, if you're lucky enough to still have a grandmother who's alive, I I think that that's a great person to reach out to, or certainly somebody from an older generation that has that wisdom and perspective that is so desperately needed uh, among, you know, people that are in their thirties and forties all across corporate America. Yes. Yes. And I know that this is specific to your field and your life experiences, but the way that you just described it, I think that's how humans are experiencing the pressure and the burdens of life when they feel like it's too much that they don't want to ask questions. They don't want to reach out. You know, we're afraid that people are going to judge us for not having it all together when really we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. I mean, and, and you couldn't be more spot on is that i I had friends at a young age who committed suicide. I had a friend in my mid twenties or late twenties, actually, who took his own life. And then another one in my early thirties and each of these situations. Now, as I entered into my thirties, I had experience with feeling that level of depression and, and really feeling like, you know, not living was the only answer to take away the pain. That's, that was my personal experience. But when I reflected on my experience and the people around me who I know also went through with the suicide, it felt like that happens when you take your eyes off of hope for one second. For, for even just one yeah. second in that moment, if you lose sight of hope, it can turn into something very, very tragic. And so what I love that you're mentioning here is like, even if you do feel hopeless, right. don't completely take your eyes off because reaching out to someone can be that lifeline. Right. And a dark day, a dark week, a dark month, a dark quarter (laughs) is not a dark life. It's not the totality of what's possible for our, our futures. And I do think that we have the ability to take actionable steps to improve our mental health. That is the good news. And like I said, I don't have all the answers to that, but what I can speak to from my personal experience is that I do believe in the value of intergenerational connection and adventure as a way of of getting these mutually beneficial outcomes, of being able to gain that wisdom and perspective and shift the happiness U curve. Uh, we don't, why wait until we're in midlife to start being happy yeah. when we when we can just you know remember a conversation that we had with one of our our elders and and apply that in the moment when we think everything hinges on that promotion yeah. or, or whatever it may be. Right. And then in the end, we're creating a new norm in which older people aren't just cast aside in retirement homes mm-hmm. and uh, re- retirement communities waiting to die. Essentially, we really need to reintegrate generations. And so that's, that's my message to, to everybody is that if you want to be, if you want to be happier sooner, then you got to take your grandma out. 
Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that because I think that this is this is a beautiful part to the story. And while it's very important that you know we continue to shed light on the significance of mental health, and especially in these different areas, these different industries or professions where maybe there's a stigma that's still tied to it. Yes, right. we we need to continue to have those conversations. But I think this is a very unique approach to how can like what is one of the tools that can help our mental health? How can we develop deeper relationships, which we know through science also helps to improve mental health. But you very specifically are talking about this intergenerationally. And I love it because one of the biggest things is that it gives you a wider perspective of life. Right. Talk to somebody who lived through the depression or yes. as my son would say in the 1900s. I'm very offended by that, by the way. <laughs> He's like, mom, is this from the 1900s? Exactly. I'm like, watch your mouth. <laughs> but but there, there's, there's a lot to that. And Yes. I think that it's beautiful that you found this uh, and and Joy, your grandmother, was able to pull you out of it. I'm interested if you could share the first one you mentioned. Okay, she laughed at falling off the air mattress and and you all had tons of fun, even though that it was raining the first day. What are one of the most memorable experiences that you shared with your grandmother? Well, it's funny because we're we're afraid of different things. And we, and we're able to push each other to confront those fears. Mm -hmm. And so for, she, she nearly drowned as a little girl. And so for her, it was the water. And for me, it's heights, especially driving on cliffs that are like one lane roads with two directions of with tra you know, traffic going both directions. And you, know, you might be working with a millimeter to two millimeters from falling off the cliff to your death. I'm not a fan of those moments. Yeah. No and sometimes, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the national parks put you in those situations. And so, you know, something that she can chuckle at, you know, when I'm white knuckled and, 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 you know, breathing into a paper bag, one hand on the wheel, you know, it's, it, it's funny that, that we've, we've gone through this evolution. And I think that she's actually much better now with water than I am with, uh, with driving on cliff <laughs> edge walls, but <laughs> or cliff, cliff wall edges. But at any rate, you know, she, I learned that my grandma's response to fear was to become, to go from grandma joy to grandma grump. Mm. And, and I was like, how could you be so like mean right now, grandma, we are in the Virgin <laughs> islands. This nice woman is taking us out on an inflatable kayak. So you can watch the sea turtles come up and, and say hi. And to me, that, that was the most magical experience ever. And she's just, she's retreated within herself. She's grimacing i can see every wrinkle as deep as the grand <laughs> as the as deep as the grand canyon on her face and you know and i was able to get that out of her oh i this is i'm afraid and so we were able to give her the reassurances that she needed to be able to finish that experience and 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 get some enjoyment out of it and then fast forward about well this was pre-pandemic and then we had to go through the pandemic and then on the other side we ended up in alaska and i booked a class one whitewater rafting trip in Wrangell St. Elias National Park. And we get up there and it is actually class three rapids. And I said, we're not going to do this. And Grandma Joy said, oh, yes, we are. Oh, now before the sea turtle experience, you didn't know <laughs> about that fear from uh, and her experience as a child almost drowning? There were so many examples of, of traumas and mm. especially things that related to her generation and growing up in you know, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, some of the cultural norms that are really disturbing, looking back on especially what young women had to go through with no social work assistance, no, 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 no help, really. They were alone. 
And a lot of, they call them the silent generation for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was one of many things I learned about Grandma Joy, uh, things that she kept locked away in her, her heart and her mind for over eight decades. Wow. Wow. And I, and I think that's what the road trip does when you're on the open road for that many hours, especially if you're driving through South Dakota, my gosh, what are you, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, yes. and then, and then your wheels start spinning literally. And then it's amazing what comes out of the shadows. Yeah. I can imagine that the connection deepened almost instantly. Cause I feel that when I share a fear or a moment of vulnerability, I can feel the connection between myself and that person instantly get deeper because yeah. you know, what happens is you're strengthening that trust. If you're sharing something that you haven't brought to light in a very long time, were there any particularly meaningful conversations that you and your grandmother had during the hike that changed the way that you live today? Well, one of the reasons that my grandmother and I were estranged is because the relationship with her son, my father, was so fractured. And, you know, I basically, after my parents' divorce, I threw out that entire half of my family. Part of that was uh, the betrayal of, of of what my father did and having an affair and uh, cheating on my mom and feeling like my grandma was somehow complicit in that just by not speaking up about how how that would feel for 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 me and for my sister. And then another layer to it was, you know, growing up, like I said, this is rural foothills of Appalachia in southeastern Ohio. My father was all-star football player, basketball player, baseball player. And I'm, you know, a, a sensitive kid who just wants to play with animals, not shoot them. Uh, you know, and it was that kind of situation. And then as I, you know, I got into my teen years and beyond and coming to terms with the fact that I'm gay, that was really something that, you know, thinking back on the threats of violence that my, my father asserted in my formative years, I didn't know where his morality ended and hers began. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the questions that I had in my head when we went on that first road trip was, would she even, uh, love me still? If, if we had that conversation and after we climbed our mountain on that first trip that night around the campfire with the crickets and Katie did's chirping, she just said it. She just said, um, I want you to know that I always knew you were gay. And so did your grandpa. And I still love you No, and we don't care. And honestly, if she hadn't said that, I probably would have fed her to the bears. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> You're like, I know these bears diets and it's small women. <laughs> <laughs> she would say there's not enough meat on her bones, <laughs> but, oh, you know, well. but, that, but that was something that, you know, I played her small and I didn't give her a chance to show me who she was. I made assumptions and honestly having that, that love was another motivating factor for making sure that, that uh, we had more chapters to our story. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, how small I feel when I am in nature. Yeah. And it really is. It's a, it's an incredible experience. You know, go by a big wa- body of water or a mountain, you know, whatever you're closest to and stand there and just soak it up and and yeah. see how you feel. There's something about nature that really I think connects us to humanity yes. and also connects us to, you know, an understanding that things are bigger than us. Right. And I mean, gosh, I'm just imagining combining that with living through this experience of being in nature with a woman 
who has decades of experience over you. Right. And so how deep, how much more rich or how richer my dad's going to be mad that I'm not saying this grammatically correct. (laughs) I'm a recovering perfectionist. So yes, I beat myself up out loud. But the point is, is you're creating this experience that is just encompassing so much, right? Being in nature, being with someone who has a, a, deeper perspective of life based on their lived experiences, which are radically different than yours. And I just imagine that, you know, you're soaking it up like a sponge. Was there anything that you learned from your grandmother during this time that you are now, you have implemented now in your life or that you're carrying through, or has just, you know, made an imprint that you'll never forget? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything. And I, and I, I say that I was trying to find that secret sauce the whole time I'm, I'm probing, I'm asking all these questions and I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, what's the formula for being 92, she'll be 93 in a couple of weeks and um, climbing hills and, you know, doing three mile hikes without even flinching. And also just waking up every day with a smile on, on your face, despite the fact that you don't have a lot of money she didn't have the means to travel. And I, and that was what I was thinking before. It's like, how could you possibly be happy when you've been widowed for over 20 years? You didn't have, you know, my grandpa didn't leave you with enough money to retire. So you had to go, you know, work in a deli for until you were 80. I would be very bitter and, and unhappy. I think I'd be very depressed. And she, she saw it a totally different way. She took, she applied for that job she could have collected her social security check. That wasn't why she took the job. She took the job so that she had purpose, so that she had connection in the community, mm. so that she wasn't sitting a, sitting home alone and she was on her feet and she was remaining active. And so, you know, I, I, I think that there are little pieces of it and you hear it from other people who are, you know, hundred years old bench pressing and so forth. A lot of it just comes down to your choices mm. and not slowing down, making sure that if there's an achy joint, that that's not a limiting factor for why you're not going to go take a hike. Yeah. You're going to still show up for your life at every age. And I think that's, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella, but you know, at the end of the day, we can't always choose to be joyful because it's joy is very circumstantial and it can be fleeting. And we, you know, try telling somebody to be joyful when they've just received some, you know, that they just thought out they have cancer or that someone they love has cancer or that their, their child has died or whatever it may be. Right. Mm -hmm joy has to come in time, but I think that we can all be intentional and conscious about joy, mm-hmm. even in those worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. And that that's our life raft out of those, out of those moments. Oh my gosh. It sounds like your grandmother just never chose bitterness. She's right. like, I'm, I'm not going to swallow that pill, which I, again, it's always a choice, right? What you decide to how you decide to see life, how you decide to experience life. I think we all have a lot to learn from joy. Yes. I <laughs> so shout so. out to grandma joy. That's for sure. That's for sure. Thank you. I am curious, uh, has your work as a veterinarian, has that influenced your love for nature and the outdoors? I mean, is that where, is it all wrapped up in one? It, it seems like it would go hand in hand, but I don't want to assume that. Yeah. I mean, and and it's all it all comes back to grandma joy too, because that's my first memory. I was two and a half years old. I was on a fishing trip with my family. There were seagulls flying around. My first memory is looking up in the sky and seeing white birds flying. And I had bread in my hand 
and she had bread in her hand and we threw some of it on the beach and the birds came down right in front of me. And so that was my first experience as a conscious being, uh, being generous and being connected to nature and being connected to my grandmother. And beautiful bread. Yeah. That, whoa, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's very true. And then fast forward a few years later, you know, my mom was not going to be the one to get in the stream and <laughs> pick up the rock and grab the crawfish or the, uh, or the frog, you know, and grandma joy would do that. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, from a time I was very young, my, my, I was in a family of hunters and fishermen and I wanted nothing to do with that. I just wanted to see them up close and touch them and help and I think that 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 was a seed that that became Brad Ryan, the veterinarian. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was also why it was a very natural choice for us to have that experience in the Great Smoky Mountains together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of clues in our childhood that point to our interests or our passions and therefore the work that we could pursue. I joke that my niece, who is who she is an animal lover through and through, but she can also watch like Dr. Pole, which makes my stomach yeah. please. Oh, and so I'm like, okay, well, I feel like a combination of all these things. You're going to be a veterinarian. She's like, I just want to have a house and own a lot of animals. So I was like, <laughs> exactly. Well, you need to know how to take care them. But I think of seeing how the kids, like you can see these things, these gifts, these interests at a very, very young age. And it's fun to see how that pans out in our lives. And I also think that another benefit to speaking to our, you know, really probing and asking lots and lots of questions from our, you know, to our grandparents while they're still here and our parents as well, but especially our grandparents when they're, if they're still alive, if anybody who's listening to this, how, how well do you really know your story? How do you know, how really, how, how, how well do you really know the history of your family? And when you ask those questions, there are some treasures in there that, that can be unlocked that will really give you an insight into why you are the way you are. And one, one intergenerational thread that I uncovered during that road trip and conversation, one of the millions of conversations that we've had is that um, when she was a little girl, her father had to pick up coal to be able to bring back to the home to fuel the furnace and whatnot. They had no electricity, no indoor plumbing, none of that. And he was at at that uh, coal mine picking up the coal and saw this pony with sores all over its back from hauling those carts around. And they were going to shoot him. And he came home and told that story to my great-grandmother, Peg, Grandma Joy's mother, And she said, you get back there right now and you get that pony and you bring him to the house. And she nursed that pony's wounds on their farm. And and Tony, the pony, lived at um, my grandma Joy's childhood farm for the entirety of his life. And I just thought, you know, I wonder, and and where did Grandma Peg learn that from? That -hmm. compassion for animals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe it's, it's probably not a coincidence at all that I ended up becoming a veterinarian. A lot of it is just that it's in my DNA, but it's also been a cultural tradition and a, and a, and an ethic mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. been passed down through the generations. And I wouldn't have known about it. And I, I'm just so proud that I asked, or I'm grateful that I asked the question and I'm proud that that's my family history. Absolutely. That is so, so beautiful. I mean, we do take for granted having access to stories and information that can really influence, shape, maybe even heal 
or soothe our soul. And as far back as you can go, I know not everybody, you know, is able to go super, super far back, but if you can, as far, whether you're having conversations with your grandparents, or if you are very fortunate to have other, you know, aunts or uncles who are available, like having these conversations, again, we're talking about like the depth and also the, the breadth of life. And that's yes. how it becomes more expansive when you learn about yourself. And, and there are a lot of, you know, I feel very fortunate to live during a day where many people are, are in search of healing. We have lots of access to tools and resources that teach us how to do this. And one one of the things that has come up in the last couple of years is understanding generational trauma and how that's yeah. passed down. But I'm thinking about your story and I'm like, what about generational gifts? How about yes. that? Like, how about we find out what the source about that of our strength? Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I think there's something so beautiful in that because again, you know, we feel these deeper connections to life when we feel deeper connections to one another. Certainly you want to do life with the people who are around you, but even if you are, are not able to experience, you know, the uh, presence of your great grandparent to understand their story and then see that in your life still creates that deeper connection. Mm -hmm. And that's again, what just it, it creates a, a more expansive life experience. You feel, you know, like you're experiencing life more fully. Beautiful. I mean, you just said it exactly as I feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's been my evolution on the, you know, it wasn't, it's on the surface. It looks like, oh, we're just seeing the Grand Canyon and seeing some grizzly bears and, and on and on we go. But it, it was, it was the conversation and the connection. It was the life affirmation mm -hmm. that came out or, you know, that really came through us, I should say, uh, on the open road. That's what made our, our lives richer. It wasn't necessarily each national park stop or, you know, this arbitrary goal of seeing all 63 U.S. national parks, even though we've, we're almost there. And I'm excited about that because it does show me that when you set big goals for your life, when you find this greater purpose for your life outside of work, that you actually can become the most, you know, self-actualized version of who you are. I think that's all very true and relevant, but it's also what matters more to me at the end of the day is just the fact that, that we got to know each other and we got yeah. to give each other that love and healing. Yes. Yes. We always assume that we know someone and right. we only know them through the very limited information we've exchanged with them, but spending quality time, especially with the people that you love is going to give you a deeper appreciation for really who they are, all that they've been through and everything that they can share that would help to enrich your life. I mean, it just, yeah. it's so, so, so important. I want to swing this back because it feels like I can hear, I can sense that this experience that may have started off. I don't know if you even thought you would go this far, this long with your grandmother, <laughs> but maybe yeah. it was just a one and done, you know, to help you get out of your dark space. I, I assume would, would I be correct there? That's I, that, that is, that is the way I went into that road trip to the Smokies. It was, yeah. she's 85. How, how long will she live really? You know, and I don't want to, I don't want to go to her funeral and remember that she never saw a mountain. Yeah. And I had a, I had the ability to change that, that, outcome for her life. And I didn't do it. And then, like I said, it's, it, there was a, an unexpected magic that revealed itself during that trip. And I, and I, I graduated, you know, I spent my whole life. I, I it took me, I was, I was in academia for 15 years. I did two master's degrees and my DVM and believing that I was not going to be happy in life unless I had the DVM 
letters behind my name. And I, I was so off base in terms of what it would take for me to actually be joyful in life. And I think that that's why I think it's, there are many contributing factors to why the veterinarian and caregiving uh, professions have such a high suicide rate. But I think one of the big ones is just that we don't know ourselves really before we pursue our, our careers. And then when you get out on the other side, you have all of these years of sacrifice, blood, sweat, and tears and financial sacrifice that leaves you with a very, very real debt to, to uh, contend with in life. And then the idealism doesn't align with the day-to-day realities and the emotional tolls of your job. That could be a very, very hard fall. Mm-hmm. And I, th- and I, th- I think that's a big, a big piece of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And veterinary medicine. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that in their, in their, in their professions and forgive me, but I, I forget what the question was. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There's, I, I, I hadn't even asked it yet because, okay. and I love, but what you set me up to ask was I can tell that this, that this quest changed you and that you are a different person, even though I did not know you then when you were in that dark space, it is clear based on stories that you just shared and the memories that you have, you know, created with your grandmother that you are no longer in the darkness. So my question is, uh, have you gone back to educate other uh, professionals in your field? Or do you now feel a new angle in this work where you are helping other veterinarians with their mental health? And how, because I'm curious if this so significantly changed your life, I can tell that you're the type of person where you're like, but now the ripple effect goes beyond me. And so I'm curious, what does that ripple effect look like? Well, it, it started with, this, I mean, our story went viral and my mental health struggles were a source of shame for me. And even, even as I was in the middle of this journey with my grandmother, I still didn't want to talk about once upon a time I was suicidal. And then when the story went viral after we were about halfway through our journey and then the media, national media were asking me about like, where did this begin? I was, I was skirting around it. And I felt like I couldn't authentically tell the story of Grandma Joy's road trip without talking about what this really was about, which was a journey out of darkness for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so the more I discussed it, the more I said it out loud, the more I felt healed. And so that has allowed me to actually step into a self-described role as a mental health advocate. And I do, you know, my job by day is to do public speaking in veterinary hospitals all across the United States, where I'm, I'm telling them like, here's the best, here's the latest, greatest way to find uh, multi-drug resistant hookworms in your dogs. <laughs> and that's important. Yeah. And I want them to know that that's important. But before we ever get into anything related to my job in sales, it's to have that human experience. And I say every Every time I've been at that hospital, I take five minutes at the beginning to just check in on everybody. Because when I was in vet school, I was looking for one person, just Mm -hmm. one example of a veterinarian who was standing in front of our auditorium and acknowledging the fact that we have a tough time. Sometimes we have a, you know, we have all of the, the burnout, anxiety, depression issues that face the general population. And then you add in 
unique stressors like compassion fatigue, having to euthanize large numbers of patients, having to not give care when you theoretically could because of limitations due to owner finances and so forth. And so I wanted one person to just tell me that, you know, I've been through tough times too. I've, I've doubted myself sometimes and nobody would, I never found that person. And so I decided I'm going to be that person. You have to be, if, if, if there's a need that's not being met in the world, you have to rise up. I think, I think one of my mentors early in life, when I was an undergraduate student at the turn of the century, <laughs> I remember the 1900s too, <laughs> was Dr. Lori Marker. And she founded the Cheetah Conservation Fund. And she worked at a safari park in Oregon and went to Namibia to find, she knew she heard that cheetahs were being killed in mass and wanted to find somebody that she could link up with to save the wild cheetah. And she didn't find anybody. Mm-hmm. And so she moved there and she created the largest conservation facility for cheetahs. And actually cheetah numbers in Namibia have been rising for decades because of her work with farmers and, and, and just everything that that's wrapped up in that. Because that she was, became that person. She became that person. And so that's, that's my, my feeling is that when it's all written, I'm going to be, I hope uh, the most prominent voice to change the culture of mental health and veterinary medicine. And I think we can drive down these suicide statistics, but I can't do it alone. It has to be, it starts at the individual level, but we also need top-down support from institutions that have that bully, bully pulpit and the resources to really make a difference for people in, in need. Absolutely. Well, I just know from personal experience that when our life is changed, we something's ignited inside that we cannot put out because um, we then realize how many other lives could be impacted just by us sharing our life experiences and the things that we learned along the way that helped us find our way back to yeah. a whole heart. And I applaud you for stepping into that space, for being that voice. And, you know, you will be one of um, many because your bravery will start to create an army of good people who are willing to also share their experiences in that industry. And I know for a fact, it's going to save and impact so many. So thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I, I, I really believe that that this is where we're moving in the world. And like I said, I think it's a message that we all need to hear. Veterinarians have it rough, but we all do. All all the struggles that we experience as people require more activism and uh, and more courage and vulnerability. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for sharing your adventure. Shout out to Grandma Joy. We are sending you birthday wishes. I know (laughs) that's coming up soon. How old will she be? So she will be 93 and we will be exploring our 63rd and final U.S. National Park right after she turns 93. So wow. she's been she's been saying 63 at 93. <laughs> I made it. We love it. She's very, very optimistic about what 93 is going to look like for her. We're also going to Kenya in, <sighs> in, in July. We were on the Tamron Hall show in oh December and National Geographic has gifted us a 11 day conservation safari in Africa. So we're going to Amboseli National Park and she'll see Kilimanjaro. Oh my goodness. Maasai Mara for the great wildebeest migration. And it's just, you know, it's just amazing. And we never would, one thing that I didn't discuss is just the fact that, you know, when you, when you start down a, a path in life with what I believe is a really pure intention, it's amazing sometimes who 
rallies behind you to get you to the finish line. And I, I never sent out a press release or anything like that. It's just one of those things that organically made its way out into the, the media and around the world. And, and then people showed up and they were like, we, we want, we want to, we want to take Grandma Joy there too. We want to see Grandma Joy <laughs> in Alaska watching bears grab salmon <laughs> at, at the waterfall. And so, uh, you know, now, now that we've, now that we're actually going to that final park and then, and to Kenya, I mean, I don't, I don't put it past Grandma Joy to make it to all seven continents or maybe even the moon if, uh, if Jeff Bezos wants to take her there. So. <laughs> we'll see. I love you. I love it. Well, your intention started with a with a clean and pure heart. And I think yeah. when we do start things from that space, that the blessings just surround us. They they come and they meet us on our path if we have the courage to continue to, to forge forward. So I am so happy to hear that this has been a huge blessing to you for you to, again, find your way out of that darkness. But it, it has become... I'm sure an even bigger blessing for grandma joy, because not only does she get to see her grandson go through all of this, which yeah. as a parent, I'm telling you, when you see your kids and I, yeah. I don't have grandkids, but I imagine that it's double, double the enthusiasm. Um, it really does fill you up to see them accomplishing or, or, or doing so much. So not only is she experiencing it, but she's in experience it with you, through you and watching you. And so I know that her heart is just full of joy. Joy. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, well, thank, thank you. you so, so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about your mental health advocacy, uh, if they want to follow the journey of uh, Grandma Joy and you through all of these adventures, where can they connect and follow you? So the best place to follow Grandma Joy and I right now is on Instagram at Grandma Joy's Road Trip. We're also on Facebook at Grandma Joy's Road Trip and Hopefully one day uh, soon, I'm working on my website and uh, I'll, I'll provide, provide the links for that later. But yeah, Grandma Joy's Road Trip is where you find us. And the next iteration of that, really what we want to do is bring more grandmas along for the ride. And probably some grandpas too. Yeah. So, so, so more on that later. But, you know, that's that's my, my grandest dream of all is to just yeah. stop in inner city Chicago, pick up a grandma who's never left yeah. the city. Take her to Yellowstone, maybe pick up another grandma along the way, take her to Glacier. And I just want to keep going with it. Have a little caravan of of really inspirational uh, senior citizens who can, uh, you know, finally have that adventure they've been waiting so long to have. It's never too old to have an, you're never too old to have an adventure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for everything, Karen. I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. Oh, well, thank you so much for being with us. We are looking forward to seeing you and Grandma Joy take over Kenya. Cannot wait to see those photos. <laughs> Thanks, awesome. Brad. All right. All the best. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.